this week's episode of the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Charlene Marshall. And this week, I want to talk about something I've been seeing more and more on social media, something I've been hearing more and more friends talk about. And that's using the practice of breath work or breathing training related to sleep. And it actually came up over the weekend before I'd even written my outline for this episode. One of my friends was talking about when he wakes up in the middle of the night, tends to wake up almost every night, like four or 4.30, and he'd sit in bed and he'd do this breathing exercise that a very famous kind of self-helpy person has, I guess on their app or on their YouTube. I don't know where he saw it, but he describes to me this whole series of breathing exercises that he's doing because he read somewhere online that if you do breathing exercises before bed, you're going to sleep better. Except as he describes the breathing protocol to me, it's one that's supposed to get you stimulated, not one that's supposed to get you calm. Oops. And so I thought that was very funny that I just heard about this a few days ago with this friend prepping, knowing that I was going to be doing this episode for you this week. And really the core of this episode is what's up with the breathing exercise stuff? It's all everywhere all of a sudden, but does it actually work? And which bits and how? Well, if you've been a fan of the show for a while, you know that I love and this kind of question looking at a particular study, and then we can use that study to break apart all the scientific information to let you know the what, the why, the how. I love breaking them down for you. I've been getting some good feedback that you love them too. So let's get to it. So the study title for this episode, the study we're going to look at is called Efficacy of Paced Breathing for Insomnia, colon, Enhances Vagal Activity and Improves Sleep Quality. End title. Now, there's different types of studies. So, so far in this series, where once a month we're taking a look at a study together, we've talked about longitudinal studies. That was the movement and purpose episode. So if you haven't listened to it, you might want to go back and have a listen. You don't need to before you listen to this one. But in that episode, we look at when you have a large data set, lots of people, and you follow them for a long time, collecting all kinds of snippets of data, and then you try to sift through the data and find patterns. So that's a longitudinal study. And that's how we figured out that people with a sense of purpose move more, people who move more tend to have more of a sense of purpose. Cool, right? Okay, another type of study that we looked at in the movement snacks episode, we looked at dose response studies with randomized controlled trials. So that's when you know something has effectiveness and you're trying to figure out, well, how much of it is effective and when. So dose response means you're choosing different doses and you're seeing what the bodies or the people do. And so in the movement snacks episode, that's like, how often are you getting up for your desk? How much are you moving when you do get up to your desk? And then what happens to the body? Yeah, because we already knew movement is good for us, but how good and at what frequency, right? So that's a, a dose response study. So this study titled Efficacy of Paced Breathing for Insomnia, okay, that tells us that this study is going to be looking at if paced breathing actually helps with sleep for people who struggle to fall and stay asleep, right? Efficacy of paced breathing for insomnia. And that sounds pretty reasonable to me. We got all these people out there on TikTok talking about breath work. Does it actually work? I want to know that too. I think as practitioners and as people, we want to know that that conventional sounding wisdom out there in the ether is actually doing something. So when you look at a study, 
the first thing you look at under the title and the author is going to be something called the abstract. And that tells us what the study is, what they did in summary, right? So it's just like a quick paragraph about like, this is what you're in for. And that's kind of like a teaser trailer for whether or not you want to dive deeper into that study specifically. So this one is, quote, 14 self-reported insomniacs and 14 good sleepers, end quote. So right off the bat, this is a small study. 28 people, that's not a big study. But when you're just testing efficacy, a lot of times you'll do a smaller study because big studies are really expensive and they're hard to get funding for if you don't have any evidence base. So for something free, like breathing, you're going to have a hard time getting a lot of money to do a large scale study. So it makes sense that you'd get like a couple dozen people. And in this case, we got 28 people. Okay, the next chunk of the abstract. So quote again, had their cardiac neuronal activity assessed by heart rate variability, end quote. So we talked about HRV in the recent episode where we had Jill Kaiser from Garmin come on, and she talked about that HRV is a measure of stress in the nervous system. So now we know we've got 28 people in the study, and they're measuring through heart rate variability the effect on their nervous system. All right, the next chunk of the abstract here. Quote, under controlled respiration at a slow frequency rate of of 0.1 hertz, I'm going to explain all that later, uh, and a forced rate of 0.2 hertz during daytime rest, end quote. So essentially, they looked at HRV for these 28 people when they're breathing in a relaxed way and when they're breathing fast, how did their HRV respond? And if you remember, Jill told us, heart rate variability is not an absolute number. It's how your body responds to stress. So instead of saying like, oh, okay, this person's HRV is lower than that person. So that person with the better HRV must be good. It's not how it works. It's how does, what does your body do? How does your body change? And so what they found in the preliminary measurements was the insomniacs had a poor HRV reaction to stress compared to the good sleepers. Essentially, the nervous system of the insomniac showed that they're stressed even during daytime rest. They're not having as good of a calming reaction as the people who get good sleep. And so their theory of this study is that the autonomic nervous system, that there is dysfunction in the autonomic nervous system that prevented good sleep in the insomniacs and using breathing exercises would help make that better which I think is all pretty cool. So let's dive in a little bit deeper, shall we? Let's talk about the autonomic nervous system. So your nervous system is your brain, your spinal cord, and all of the nerves in your whole body. And they're kind of like the control system for everything that your body does. And then there's subsets of your nervous system. There's the somatic nervous system and the autonomic nervous system. Now your somatic nervous system is everything that you can control. So your breathing, your muscles, the sensations in your skin, right? Like you can react, right? If you like, oh, something's itchy, I'm going to scratch it. Something's burning, I'm going to pull it away, right? I have control of all of those things. That's the somatic nervous system. Now the autonomic nervous system is every automatic function in the body. So your heart beats, your digestion, your pupils constricting and dilating, and sometimes you're breathing. So the autonomic is where you get the fight or flight or rest and digest responses. Those are your automatic systems around stress 
and rest. And you don't get to just choose like, okay, I'm going to be stressed right now, or I'm not going to be stressed right now. They happen automatically. And all of the things in the autonomic nervous system, so your digestion, your blood pressure, your heart rate, your pupil constriction, all of those things react to the fight or flight or the rest and digest. And so that those two things, fight or flight is called uh, sympathetic nervous system reaction. So like something happens, I react to it, sympathetic, fight or flight. And parasympathetic, I want you to think like a parachute. Parasympathetic is calming down. You're calm, you're coming down like a parachute, right? So that is all automatic. You don't get a say. Now, if I start ruminating and having really stressful thoughts and I think about all the things that are wrong in my life, yeah, I can probably stress myself out real fast. And if I do something like an awe practice, a gratitude practice, maybe I could calm it down, but I don't necessarily just get to have the thought. Like I can have the thought like, oh, I'm moving my finger up and down. That's somatic because I have control. I don't necessarily have control of the autonomic, the automatic functions. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Darlie Marshall, and we're talking about whether or not breathing exercises before bed actually work. And we're taking a look at this study, picking that apart. So what these research found in their initial information gathering of these two groups of people, 14 insomniacs, 14 good sleepers, is that did the daytime breathing that simulated stress, the insomniacs reacted like their nervous system was overreacting. So their autonomic nervous system measured through heart rate variability showed stress and dysregulation. So the theory in the second half of the title, right? The second half of the title is enhances vagal activity and improves sleep quality. So the theory underneath that is about the vagus nerve, vagal activity. What's that mean? Well, the vagus nerve is the 10th cranial nerve and it is a major component of the autonomic nervous system. If you've heard anything about like vagus nerve and trauma and somatic processing, that's all referring to this idea that the vagus nerve signals could get scrambled up and you're having a stress response when you're supposed to be calmed down. And so you're dysregulated in that 10th cranial nerve and the 10th cranial nerve, the vagal nerve, enervates all of the autonomic nervous system things. So digestion and heart and lungs and all of it. And so this is where the breathing technique thing comes in. Maybe you picked up on a moment ago, I was talking about like all, all the somatic functions, right? I said, it's, you know, it's your skin, it's your muscles. It's, I can choose to blink or not. It's also my breathing. Well, all the autonomic stuff, it's my heartbeat. It's my blood pressure. It's digestion. It's paracelsis. It's also my breathing. So breathing can be both automatic and controlled. And that means that we might have a conscious way to re-regulate all the automatic stuff. And it's that theory that these researchers are picking up on. Could we apply that to sleep? So there's plenty of previous research to this study that shows that breathing crosses that line, and they want to build on this evidence. Now, this study was done in Taipei, Taiwan, at National Yang Ming University. And like many small cohort studies, there's a couple of problems. So one of them is the participants are all 20 to 25. And that's because it's easy and it's inexpensive to get college students to participate in studies like this. But it then creates evidence that's not balanced, 
right? That might not apply to older people or people with regular jobs or kids or whatever. Now, oftentimes you'll, you'll see influencers online going like, oh, look, there's research. This is evidence-based. Look at the research. But if it's a small study based on college students, you know, we don't really necessarily know that it applies to the population that's listening to that person, right? We don't have good evidence. We just have some evidence. The other problem I see with this study, they don't actually specify the gender of the participants. They just say that there's no differences between gender between the two groups, which what that actually tells me is it's probably all men, because that's pretty standard in these kind of small cohort studies. When they don't specify a gender, they tend to be all male. And again, we're then extrapolating from this little tiny pool of people to like people in general. And that just means we need to get more research, right? Like we said, efficacy test studies tend to be small like this, and they tend to have these kind of problems. Then we just need somebody else to do it on a bigger scale. Cool. So the other thing that they threw out in this, like the other background indicators, they've all finished high school, they didn't do drugs or drink during the course of the study, right? They normalize the population to make sure that the information's not muddy, right? That we can really look at, is it actually the breathing techniques? So the research had the group complete some questionnaires, they did some sleep logs, then they wore polysomnographs, which is like a sleep study machine. So they wore polysomnographs when they slept to gauge the effects on the nervous system and the quality of the sleep. They did two nights of that to get baseline data. And then a few days later, they had all the participants learn how to do the breathing exercises, right? So they took their snapshot data before they taught them what to do to re-regulate, right? So they had nice clean data. And they taught them all those exercises ahead of time so that they'd know exactly what to do. And they provided them with some computer prompts to re-regulate the breathing and the frequency. Because really what they're looking at here is the frequency of breathing right before bed during these exercises. Breathing research can be kind of complicated and annoying for lay people to read because it's not communicated in ways that we would like very clearly understand. So breathing research is done talking about Hertz, not like the rental van company, but big H little Z Hertz. And that's a unit of frequency. So you might've heard sound being measured in Hertz, right? The frequency wave of sound, same idea, but it's the frequency of breaths. And we measure them in a decibel that, a decimal, excuse me, that's breaths per, that translates to breaths per minute. So normal breathing would be like 10 to 20 breaths per minute, depending on your level of activity and your level of fitness, your cardiovascular health, all of that. So in the study, as you read it, it says 0.2 hertz. Well, that translates to 12 breaths per minute or a breath every five seconds. Okay. Whereas 0.1 hertz is six breaths per minute or a breath every 10 seconds which is really slow if you consider that the average breathing range is like 10 to 12 is the low end. And we're going to take them all the way down to six breaths per minute. That's not very many breaths. <laughs> and then they measured both with an exhale of like three to seven seconds. And so here's what they found with these participants. They had them do 20 minutes of these breathing exercises. So first they tested 12 breaths per minute and for 20 minutes before bed, what did that do for sleep? And then they also did a cohort where they tested the six breaths per minute for 20 minutes right before sleep, right? We talked about the initial intake. 
the people who struggled to stay and fall asleep had some dysfunction, some dysregulation in their heart rate variability compared to the good sleepers in their daytime resting state. So what happens when you have them do these breathing exercises? You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall. We're looking at breathing exercises and sleep. So previous studies have shown that certain frequencies of breathing can actually sync up your breathing and your heart rate, right? So as you're doing breathing exercises, the frequency of beats in your heart will start to shift to match up with the breathing frequency. So that tracks with the theory that because breathing is both somatic nervous system and autonomic nervous system, you could use breathing to change the autonomic. So the benefits of that, the effect of that have been linked to mood, health, stress response, pain, asthma. So what our researchers were actually looking for with the polysomnograph and the heart rate variability was as you did these breathing exercises, did anything change to indicate change in the autonomic nervous system? And here what they found. So at 12 breaths per minute, there was a very small effect on heart rate frequency, on variability, right? They started to see this sync happen just like a little teeny, teeny, tiny bit. But at six breaths per minute, this effect happened for every single participant in the study. No effect with regular paced breathing at a normal rate. So like, hey, breathe at your normal speed, but just do it in a rhythm, no change to heart rate. So what that tells us is that vagal tone regulation exercises need to be very slow in order for them to work. And if you are a longtime fan of the show, you might remember before we were at, on NASM's podcast network, we had Amanda Masters on, come, come and talk about breath training and she led us through a breathing exercise. She is my breath training coach and she has us do it that slow. So it validates that in her lineage, in her yoga practice, it works. But if there are other vagal training exercises out there that are more than 10 breaths a minute, they don't work as well or maybe even not at all because it has to be that slow less than 10 breaths a minute, even six breaths a minute. And that's what I learned to teach on my retreat. So that's exciting. This study validated, at least in this case for these 28 people, all 28 of them saw that rhythm shift where their autonomic nervous system matched the somatic practice they were doing. Okay, that's super cool. Obviously, I'm nerding out pretty hard. But what's that do to their sleep? The research found that 20 minutes of the 0.1 hertz, which is six breaths per minute, helped the insomniacs fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, and improve their sleep quality for all of them. Why? Well, their autonomic nervous system was being re-regulated and reconditioned by the breath work. So for that friend that I talked to over the weekend, that was holding. So what he was doing was these like deep, quick breaths, and then he would hold his breath. And what that actually does, shallow, rapid breathing and breath holds, put us into like a fight or flight mimicking state. So he was hitting the on switch super hard, 
And what we actually know now is that we want to be breathing long, slow, less than 10 breaths a second, a minute, maybe even down to six breaths a minute. If you can train yourself to go that slow, because that's actually what dials down the nervous system into rest and digest and promotes a good night's sleep. So let me talk you through the protocol. If you're going to do this for yourself, and I strongly recommend that you do. um, Personally, I found that doing this for 20 minutes a day for six months shifted my heart rate variability and greatly improved my sleep. And this is the protocol. This is exactly what I learned from Amanda Masters when she taught me. So you're going to lie face down. Now you could stack your palms one over the other with your forehead resting on top of your palms face down. Or you could take a blanket, pillow, bolster, props, whatever you got to do. What you want to have is a supported head in a neutral head and neck position and your shoulders to be supported. So that's what the deal is with the blanket. You want to be lying on your stomach. So your face down. And you might want to put a pillow underneath your feet and ankles so that there's not pressure in your ankles. You really want to be able to relax your back, your hips, and your shoulders. And for the first few minutes that you're lying there, you're just going to breathe normally. Breathe into your low back, relaxing your body into the floor, really letting the floor and your pillows and bolsters cradle your body so that you feel supported. And then as you get comfortable and relaxed, You're going to pace your breathing so that you're inhaling through the nose for four to five seconds. So in, two, three, four. And then without holding your breath at all, you're going to turn it right around and exhale four to five seconds. So out, two, three, four. And then immediately, no breath holds, you're going to come in, two, three, and four, and then repeat out. You follow that pattern for 20 minutes. And in that process, you're re-regulating your nervous system, not just in that moment, but throughout your night of sleep. Because as we established through this studies and the preceding studies before it, controlled slow breathing, while a somatic nervous system practice, helps to re-regulate your autonomic nervous system. And we see the evidence in that in the way that your heart rate starts to sync up with your breathing when it's that slow and controlled, which I think is super cool. I'm going to be posting a reel about this to my Instagram, walking you through it. So if you want a recording of it, you can find it there after this episode goes up. So you'll see that on Thursday. We, of course, would love to hear your feedbacks and questions. So if you've got a study that you think is interesting or you want to request a study on a particular topic, definitely reach out. How could you do that? Well, you can share your feedback, your thoughts, your questions, your ideas at info at Darlene.coach, which is my email. You can also find me on Instagram. I am Darlene.coach. I'm on TikTok now. I'm out there on threads. LinkedIn. Don't hesitate. Reach out. And of course, if you're a fan of the show, I hope that you've subscribed. Maybe you should leave us a review because that's going to help us in the algorithm. You should share it if you found this particularly interesting or with any of the insomniacs in your life that could use a maybe non-pharmaceutical solution. Uh, Thank you to everyone who's been writing a view. Share it. Tag us. Comment if you're on YouTube. Would love to hear your questions. Thank you so much and be well. (laughs) 